Welcome to Kill You a Truth with Chad Brown and Nate Chow. He still got it. He still got it. I got to tell you, uh, my mom, who loves the podcast, she's like, I don't, I've read both of Nate's books. They're, oh, wow. they're, they're great. I love it. But that knife, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if Mama McKee is, is on the fence about it, I might have to I might no. have to sheath that thing forever. No, 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 no. But I just, you know, but she's read both of your wow. books. That's a lot. Yeah. That's that a lot. She, that means she's read that book too. Wow. Fantasy Man, right there. So, wow. God bless her for doing that. I mean, Chad, I feel we should just welcome Nate back and just be like, he looks like Wolverine now with his multicolored beard. He does. He does. Now, Mama Brown uh, also asked me about what's up with Nate and those knives. <laughs> what's going on down there? Were they just knives in the basement? Did he grab a special knife for the show? So <laughs> he did. That's he too did. funny. So well, both of our moms are concerned about your okay. your uh, your your knife obsession, but yes. no need to be concerned, mamas. Everything's fine. All right, let's talk about the beard. It's in multi colors now, with a mixture of gray down the middle and dark on the sides. You really do look like Wolverine a little bit. Thanks, you got a little Wolverine going on right now. What's well, up? Uh, I don't. It's not by choice. I don't like this. Some, that is some just point. how it grows. It's like dark yeah. there, and that is crazy though. Yeah. It looks pretty cool, actually, Chad. What do you think? Oh, you oh you don't like it, Nate? I don't like the gray. I mean, it's just like you're old, man. You're old. You're getting old. And each gray hair, man, it just kind of cements it further. I don't know what to do about it. There's nothing I can do about it other than diet, and that's a pain in the ass. I don't want no one wants to do that. So I either shave it, which I do, and I have to do some kind of TV work, or I just deal with it, man. But I don't know. I mean, Chad, you you got gray hair, but you're always very well sculpted. You're always got a you're on, always on top of it. Well, I can't let it grow out anymore because it's so gray now. It just makes me look old. So I've got to keep it trimmed in order to avoid the old man look. I don't want to be a gray beard just yet. I'm trying to still be, you know, <laughs> act like I'm not 53. Every now and then, Deion Sanders, when he grows his beard out and he stops dying it for like two seconds, it is like he is full on gray. I mean, he's yeah. like santa prime and uh santa prime <laughs> but, but he clearly him and gary kubiak clearly used product oh, ain't, ain't yeah. no doubt about it right yeah coobs was the best though coobs was the best because he would come in to training camp all shorn with not one gray hair on that head and i'm like hey man gary you go for it man you own it brother Good he's still you. doing it he's still doing it i saw him at the alumni event a couple weeks uh, months ago he was he's still jet black up there man it's pretty Isn't it, it's it's crazy and and shanahan still has his tan he just he no, went he all, let it go though yeah hair. right he, he went like vic lombardi and was like eh, forget it but he's not getting out of that tanning bed that's for damn sure he's uh <laughs> he's staying there well, he's got I a just, house in cabo man i think he goes there a lot I think oh. it's natural tan it's all natural man completely 100 percent Corinthian leather. It's yes. beautiful. Who doesn't love Shanny? He, he's still an attractive man. No doubt about it. Um, okay, Nate, I, I just feel like let's catch up brother. Yeah, like there's so sure. much like just yeah. what's on your mind. Where, where's your head at these days? I mean, just let it flow. Yeah. You're talking Broncos, right? Not my what? personal life and things. Well, that that, no. no. Um, look, man, it, it was, it was been interesting the last week to watch from afar, the Russell Wilson fallout. And, you know, I was watching your guys podcast as well. And, just watching the way it uh, transpired and the information came out each day, a little bit more about the behind the scenes stuff, the economics of it, the, what the team asked Russell to do and all that. 
Um, and then truth be told, I haven't watched the entire game from Sunday yet. It happened on, you know, I was in California, didn't get to see it. Um, it was my son's birthday on the same day. So we had a party and everything. We got home late last night. I watched the first quarter. Okay. And so, so, so far I'm a quarter in and it looked like all the other games offensively, you know, um, not a lot cooking. I thought the interesting thing was that Jaleel McLaughlin took the first carry, um, and had a lot of, you know, had some effectiveness on the ground. Um, but, um, as far as Jared Stidham versus Russell Wilson, they looked comparable. They looked like the same dude out there. The offense looked the same. And so, like we've been talking about the entire time, Russell Wilson's not playing well enough to pay him $50 million a year. And so I agree with the move. I thought it was going to happen at the beginning of the season when we talked about it, that at some point during the season, he was going to get benched. He wasn't going to finish the season. I thought it was going to be couched based on some injury that he had. And it was like, oh, we're going to go with Stiddy because this guy's – but no, it was based on money. And the lack of dynamic play from your quarterback who you move mountains to get. I agree with the move. He doesn't hit open receivers. He doesn't work well in the pocket. He doesn't operate Sean Payton's offense well. That's not to say that he can't work on some team with some coach, with some defensive coach who likes that style of play. I think it could work somewhere, just not with Sean Payton. We've watched it all season. These receivers are incredibly frustrated with Russell Wilson under center. They practice a certain way all week. They put in these plays that are supposed to look a certain way on Sunday. And then Sunday comes and Russell Wilson does his own shit. So it was, it was to me, it was a matter of time. I think it was the right move. And uh, let's move forward. You know, uh, just to say with you, just one more second, Nate, because we're so happy to have you back. What about <laughs> all the other drama with the... Uh, the NFLPA, and yeah. you, if you get benched, uh, you know, if you don't sign this deal and all this other stuff. And I'm sure you've been through contract issues, and I'm sure you felt like management probably didn't treat you fairly because um, I, I just assume most players have that experience. Yeah, I mean, the nuts and bolts of it, you know, um, are a little over my pay grade. I guess, obviously, if, if he gets hurt at some point this season, then – then they're on the hook for 2025. For is that what it is for 37 million if you can't million. pass the physical on the fifth day of the new league year in March? Yeah, for yeah. 37 Ultimate, million for 2025. Yeah, ultimately, Russell, if you played better, they would never have that conversation with you. You know what okay. I mean? And, it, okay. and they ultimately realized that you're not worth the money that we're paying or we're going to pay you. And and Sean Payton had to come in to say that. You know, Nathaniel Hackett sure wasn't going to say that. Um, but George Payton fucked this up. I mean, big time, one of the biggest mistakes in the history of the NFL to trade for this guy, give him money before ever seeing him play a snap. I know a lot of folks were pushing for redoing the contract. I wasn't one of those guys. And I think it was probably 85% of folks in the media and the fans were saying, yes, sign this guy up to a new contract. I wasn't one of those guys. Now, I wasn't as loud with my dissension as I should have been in hindsight because then I could have been like, I told you so. Woo! But at the same time, I asked my agent about this <clears throat> back when this was happening before the contract had been signed. I asked him, what should the Broncos do? And he said, it, it, it behooves both sides to wait until the end of the season. If Russell balls out, he'll get more money. So he believes in himself. So he'll want that. And, and, and the Broncos, you know, will be happy to pay him more money if he's as good as advertised. Right. And he wasn't, wasn't as good as advertised. Clearly his agent, sort of push for that. And George Payton took the bait. And for that reason, I think George Payton's days could be numbered here. But um, ultimately, it was a huge mistake. Set this team back quite a bit. Russell Wilson, hey, good guy. Tries hard. Shows up. But he's not that good for this offense. He's not that good. He hasn't been good. He's, what, 11 and 20? Something like that? 12 and 20. 
Yeah, that's not good enough, man. I'm sorry. It's just not. He was brought here to win games in the fourth quarter and be a winner, and he hasn't been a winner. Other than that winning streak, it's been actually woeful. And so, and and that winning streak was probably born of some spite that happened when he told they told him he's going to be benched and all that. I don't know. It's a. I think it, it'll be nice to move on from Russell Wilson. The only problem is, who do you move on to? Well, there you go, and we're we're about to get into that. But Chad, I want to give you a chance to react to Nate with uh, the things that he said there. Catching up here a little bit. Uh, wow. The obviously, we, you and I talked about this yesterday. The ineffective player, Russell Wilson, led this situ- situ- situation to being where it is. Um, while there's certainly folks who think Russell Wilson is being unfairly treated, in the end, in the NFL, if you produce, you get paid. Um, and he was unable to produce. 12 and 20 is not the record that uh, a quarter of a billion dollar contract should should reflect. So uh, I'm not mad at the move from that perspective. Um, when we talk about all-time worst trades, unfortunately, uh, for George Payton, this one can't be first. Uh, the Herschel Walker deal which uh, turned the Cowboys into a Super Bowl dynasty. That's the number one worst trade in NFL history. The Cleveland Browns recent trade for Deshaun Watson because they gave up three first-round picks, and they gave him a guaranteed quarter-of-a-billion-dollar contract. So uh, the GM in Cleveland has surpassed George Payton in, I guess, idiocy here. So this Russell Wilson trade is the third worst trade in NFL history and perhaps the third worst contract in NFL history. Um, But it's certainly – his warrants being up there near the top. Uh, but to Nate's final point, yeah, now this is all done. Now it's time to move on and figure out what is next. Well, all three of us actually think this is the right move. Um, and I don't think any, I don't think any of us are really buying this Crimea River, you know, Russ was done wrong sort of scenario. I think could the Broncos have handled things smoother or better? Probably. Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, none of us think it's the wrong move. I think it's risky having Russ around at practice. I don't think there's a chance in hell he plays as a backup against the Raiders because this game truly doesn't matter. I think they clearly should activate Danucci just in case. I mean, no way should Russ go in. And if no way Russ should go in, then I don't think Russ should even be there. So I would just simply make Russ inactive. That's it. I, I wouldn't mess around. But Sean Payton, or you're going to love this one, Nate. And Sean Payton's not wearing a, a white hat in this. I'm not saying Sean Payton's a hero because while he says none of these things are my hump, the losing streak isn't my hump to the Chiefs. Uh, the, the streak to the Raiders, I didn't even know we had a losing <clears throat> streak to the Raiders, which is weird because you actually already lost to the Raiders this year. I'm surprised you didn't pick that up. Um, none of these things are his hump, but apparently, apparently, it is critical, Nate, that he wins nine games for some reason. So nothing else is his hump. I would assume if nothing else is your hump, well, then neither is not having a winning season for 2016. So what's it all about? And this is where it just gets into weird personal pride for, for Sean Payton and setting a note for the culture of the team. But I even roll my eyes at that because we all know 30% of every NFL team turns over anyway. You really do start from scratch when the new league year begins. Anywho, so the culture of the team is only relevant to that team as far as I'm concerned. Fans, of course, just want to beat the Raiders and always want to win. But winning doesn't really help you. It only hurts, especially if you need a quarterback. So I'll start with you, Nate. What do you think of Sean Payton saying, yeah, that ninth win, really important. We're playing everybody. Never mind Bradley Chubb tore his ACL down 30. Forget about Darian, uh, uh, Delarian Turner yell ripping up his AC in, in that game. 
we're going to go full board and win a meaningless ninth game. Well, I think he wants to prove that he can win without Russell Wilson and uh, and prove to this team that that was the right move going into this offseason because it's been a lot with Russell ever since he got here, right? Both coaches have been sort of uh, – I, I say this word all the time. It's a stupid word, but I don't know a different one. Flummoxed. Is there a better one? Uh, That's good. By by how to use this guy, by what it means to have him as our leader, by what it means that we traded so much to get him, by what it means that we're putting all our faith in this dude. And and Sean Payton finally had the uh, the cojones to move on from that. And I think he wants to prove to his team that it was the right move and that we can beat. You know, the Raiders are a better team than the Chargers. The Char- I was, you know, the first quarter, the Chargers aren't good. They're really bad. Really bad. They're in a bad place. The Raiders are playing with more motivation, more energy, like they have more to prove, and they're clicking on you know more cylinders than the Chargers. So that's going to be a more difficult game. And I think Sean Payton wants to prove that his team, with Jarrett Stidham at the helm, can beat the Raiders, who are playing for something more so than the Chargers. Uh, but I agree, risky play to have Russell out there at all. Um, you know, I. The Raider thing where you say he is not my hump, I think he knows he's lost to the Raiders and he wants to beat the Raiders. This season is his hump. This season is his hump. Everything he's done since he's been here is his hump, and he wants to own that and end on a winning note, and I I can't blame him for that. I just want to prove something. I got out my thesaurus, and uh, let me look. Oh, here it is. Flummoxed. um, Flummoxed. uh, Adjective. Um, Sean Payton with Russell Wilson says it right there. <laughs> and the thesaurus. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you're right. Your about handy that. dandy thesaurus, right? Right, because who doesn't? Who needs a computer or a phone when you can have a book? Wow, it's awesome. All right, guys. Then we turn our eyes, our lonely eyes, as Simon and Garfunkel once said, towards next year. And in terms of the college football playoff, all right. I guess, grudgingly, I'll admit, there's no way Florida State should have been in there. That game was awesome <laughs> with Alabama and Michigan, an overtime thriller that uh, Michigan won. And I thought J.J. McCarthy was okay. but um, and, and that was a great game. It was thoroughly entertaining. But the, the game that the Broncos fans may have been keeping their eye on just a pinch closer was that Washington-Texas game with Michael Penix Jr., who's got an interesting story, started in Indiana, ended four years in a row with injuries. And with his injuries and COVID and everything, ended up playing college football for six years. The last two for Washington coming in as a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. And last night, 430 yards and looked fantastic. So let me just start here. What's you guys? I'll start with you, Nate. What do you think of Michael Penix Jr., another MPJ, possibly here in town, and what do you think about two ACL injuries on his right knee? Well, for a quarterback, man, if you can figure out how to deal from the pocket, which is what Sean Payton wants, it's not going to be a problem, right? It's going to be a problem if you if you want to scramble and run a lot for the first down. And, hey, sometimes the situation calls for you to do that, and it's hard to avoid it. So, obviously, he needs to be healed. Uh, that's important. Um, but um, if you digest the offense and you are able to – operate it then you should be able to handle that he's a lefty which is which is interesting because uh, you know most people don't understand that there's a difference catching a football from a lefty than there is from a right-handed quarterback the ball's spinning differently it, its angle is different so it's just something you got to deal with but it's not crazy it just takes a little bit of an adjustment period but i like his story 
I like his grit. I like his moxie. He threw for 430 yards last night, which was um, the fourth highest in college football playoff history there. And he just seems like a really confident kid who's been through a lot. And, uh, you know, when you have adversity and you and you push through it and you end up coming out stronger on the other side, it's something that a lot of coaches look for. Um, how, how has he responded to adversity before? You know, Mac Jones, for example, I don't think he had a lot of adversity in college. He was just sitting behind an Alabama offensive line dealing to the best players in the country all his whole time. And so what did he really go through? You know what I mean? But Michael Penix Jr. went through a lot and has come out on top. So uh, I would be interested in that. The question is, what do you got to do to get him? Um, where's he going to go? You know, um, what did the rest of the league think about him? And are you going to have to trade up and how, how are you going to deal to get him? But uh, but I like the player and I like what what he what he represents. I think Michael Penix Jr. has shown that uh, he's worthy of a top draft pick, top five kind of draft pick. The biggest thing for him wow. is going to be the medicals. It's going to be the medicals, the two ACLs plus the two shoulder surgeries. So um, are you willing to risk your early draft pick on a guy who may have a limited window due to injury? So uh, until the medicals happen around combine time, I, I think it's difficult to say because the talent, I think, warrants a top five pick. Mm. Uh, maybe the best deep ball thrower in all of college football. His deep ball accuracy is absolutely off the charts. Um, so there's a lot to be said for what he brings. Some of those points that Nate just brought up, the the toughness, the mental toughness to overcome those injuries, the uh, the moxie, which is another one of those fun words like flummoxed. So please look that up <laughs> if you have a moment there, DMAC, to give us some other adjectives for moxie. Um, yeah, it, it's there's a lot to be said positively for this guy, but with a extensive medical history uh, and me not being a doctor, um, I got to kick that one down the road to the actual doctors and see what the medicals come back with as far as what is the state of that right knee. How's his shoulder reacting? Clearly, he can play ball. But as we all know, your job as a quarterback is not to play on Sundays. It's to play every single Sunday. And his health records will, you know, I guess, show whether he's going to be that kind of guy. Uh, Moxie. D-Mac. That's just what it says oh, right okay. there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't write these things. So what would you do, fellas? This is the big question, and this is something we'll grind on for a long time. What would you be willing to do, give up, to get your guy this year in the draft, Chad? Uh, gosh, again, you know, the Broncos are, are limited on draft picks because of the Russell Wilson and Sean Payton deals. Correct. So you have to recouple draft picks and players. What player are you willing to give up? Are we going to have the Patrick Satan conversation again? Uh, a, a player who's clearly at, at the tops of his position, but as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, has some vulnerabilities in his game. Um, and then also plays a position that doesn't necessarily move you forward until you have so many other pieces in place. So for the Broncos who are still lacking those pieces, particularly at the quarterback position, what is the point of having a luxury item like a Pat Sertan? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You've got to find a way to maybe bundle him with some draft picks and get some draft capital back, or at least explore the possibilities of all that to see if you can move up early enough in the draft to draft one of these top quarterbacks. I think still Caleb Williams is the clear number one quarterback in the draft. Um, I think J.J. McCarthy, while he's a great story, I don't think he's a first-round quarterback. Yeah. He won five games this year late in the season without throwing a, a touchdown pass. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said for – uh, his leadership, 
But at the same time, I don't think he's a true NFL quarterback and not NFL ready at this point. So it kind of goes with Caleb Williams, um, the kid from what North Carolina, and then uh, Drake May, Drake May, yeah, Drake May, and, Drake May, and then Michael Penix Jr. After that, and you could throw in Bo Nix Morgan if you wanted to. Um, Nate, I, don't see, I, I think he's a step behind those guys. Okay, I, I I actually agree with you, Nate. Yeah, so back in when we were having the trade deadline talk about Patrick Sertan, he I was like, you know, no, no, no on Patrick Sertan. He stays. He's a foundational mm-hmm. corner cornerstone piece. See what I did there? I did. Um, but um, but now that it's clear that Russell Wilson's not your guy and you're going to move on from him, you're going to start from square one. If you've identified your guy and mm-hmm. you know which guy you want and it's going to take moving past your tan to get him, then I would be in favor of it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, just because you're going to – it's going to start – we're going to start over here, guys. And, right. and, and look, the rookie quarterback's not going to come in and ball out. It's going to be two or three more years. So that's the thing we have to get ready for is another yep. long climb and have more patience. In a lot of ways, this buys Sean Payton time. And so for a head coach who who hasn't had a good first year, the good thing, the, the, the best thing to do to get people off your back is to blow things up and start over so you can build again and tell everyone that it's going to take some time, especially with a young quarterback, it's going to take two or three years. So as, 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 as sucky as that is to realize, we're probably going to see some bad football for, you know, 2024 and 2025, maybe Um, it it is what it is at this point. We made a mistake with Russell Wilson and whatever has to be done to clean up that mess. I'm in favor of it, but listen, man, you can look at the glass half full too, in my opinion. And you look at the Texans. Nobody expected them to be as successful as they were this year. But with the right coach and the right quarterback, and Stroud is clearly the right quarterback. And I I don't know about Bryce Young. I mean, maybe he's going to be okay there. I'm not sure. But clearly, Stroud is one of those guys, I think. Oh, man, that's that's the roll of the dice here, guys. You know, the hit percentage on these highly drafted first round quarterbacks is still low, it's like 36%. But at least it's 36%, not 17% or 5% or whatever, the deeper you go in the draft. Having Patrick Sertan right now is like a luxury item. You know a team like could use like a Patrick Sertan is a, t- a team like the Eagles or something like that. You know, right. a team that's skidding a little bit but has good foundational pieces. We're a good receiver, good quarterback, good this. Sertan on the Eagles would be probably pretty amazing for them. And Jalen Ramsey got traded to the Rams. The Rams already had Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald, and then they got Jalen Ramsey. And now Ramsey is on the Dolphins. You know, the the Rams traded him too. So guys, as much as everybody can give respect, deservedly so to Patrick Sertan, his most value, which hasn't changed in the past couple of years, is as a trade commodity, not a player on the field, because the Broncos just aren't set up to take advantage of what he does the best for them. So I, I, we kill you with truth here, okay? And I've been, boy, have I been ridiculed for this over the past few years, but nothing's really changed. And listen, man, I was guilty. I was guilty. I was one of those guys that said, pay Russ now. What else is there to think about? Heck, you'll probably save money because this guy's going to be awesome. That's on me, man. That is on me. And I was wrong, and I can admit it. That was a mistake. Okay, deep breath. You got to just start all over again. And when you drafted Bradley Chubb instead of Josh Allen, Nate, you're right. You just set the course for, you know, starting over year after year, as painful as it could be. And the best case scenario is that you could be like the Texans. So is it worth it, guys? 
to roll those dice and hope, hey, maybe we can be like the Texans. We don't have to suck, Chad. Okay, so you you, you cite that 36% success ratio with uh, first-round quarterbacks. Highly drafted first-round. Forget Highly about the 20s. Quarterback. Okay. <laughs> but typically, those quarterbacks go to really bad football teams. Yes. Um, and this football team, while not great, is not really bad. You've got some pieces right. in place um, where this quarterback would not walk in and be sacked, you know, an NFL record 60-something times. That that kind of thing's not going to happen. And you're pointing out an example like the Chiefs with Alex Smith. That's who they were. And they they were very aggressive to move up for Patrick Mahomes. Sorry to interrupt you, but that is exactly the way the Chiefs were. Yeah, so that's the scenario that I'm playing out here is there's pieces in place. So he's not going to an awful football team that won two games last year. And the culture is awful. Sean Payton is certainly building a culture there. Sean Payton is a talented head coach. Uh, we can question some of the decision-making this year, but I think the talent and the track record is there. There's some pieces ar- around the offense that are worth building around. So this quarterback would not walk into a situation where he's expected to be the savior of this team at a, at 21 years old. It's a little bit of a different situation here. The savior is already here in Sean Payton. The quarterback is, then becomes the guy who is going to be able to go out there on the field and execute that part of things. So I would give this a higher percentage from a success fail ratio in 36% just because of the other pieces built around this offense. So I am certainly willing, if I put on my George Payton hat, take off my Rolex hat and put on the George Payton hat, my GM hat, I would feel very comfortable going to draft based on some of these other pieces that are around on this football team. Nate? Yeah, I forgot my Casio hat or my Swatch hat. I got to find those. It's somewhere around here. But um, no, um, yeah, dude. Oh, man, I, I, what were we talking about? Because I thought of the joke and then I forgot about the thing. Oh, yeah, the Chiefs. Right. The thing you mentioned with the Chiefs and Alex Smith, that, that is the template there. Build up your team. This was, But this was a perennial playoff team. They just couldn't get over the hump, right, with Alex Smith. Five years of Alex Smith. And uh, he really passed off the keys to Patrick Mahomes. And in a perfect world, that's what Russell Wilson would have done for you. Uh, be 10, 11 wins, you know, getting on the doorstep, doing it for two or three years. <clears throat> and then you realize – Maybe he doesn't have any more left in the tank, but you've already identified a young guy to bring in and you traded up to get him. And, and, and so it's not going to work quite as seamlessly as it did for the Chiefs. But you, Chad's absolutely right. This isn't a bad team. This is a team that won, you know, six straight, five straight, whatever. And 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 is, is really well coached and has some good pieces in place. So I think that yeah, it, it is a possibility to find that guy. Patrick Mahomes was the 10th pick. Right. He was the 10th picker, the 12th pick or something like that. It was him and Lamar um, 10 and 12. Right. And and so so was Lamar Jackson. The t- Lamar was 31. Yeah, he went 31. Yeah. And he I was, was I was pounding the table that draft night for the Broncos to move up, which they could have easily that. done and get them. And they just stood there with their thumb up their butts and watched the Ravens do what they should have done. Yeah. No, it hurt. Um, but exactly. yeah, so no, I think that if they identify their guy, it's all about finding a guy. It's not just like a guy, like anybody. And I know you're, you're a big, just take a swing at anybody kind of guy. That is yeah. so not fucking true. I mean, that, is, that is, I cannot believe you would buy into the Mike Evans hyperbole about my quarterback strategery, Nate. That is well, I've ridiculous. heard you say it before, man. Oh my God. It's not Mike Evans. It's you. No, no, no. Here's, here's the deal, dude. Listen, everybody has the same resume. You have a college career, you right. have the combine pro days, interviews, whatever. Everybody has the same, you know, background to judge on. So to think like, oh, I 
draft the right guy. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I mean, there's no there's no team that's ever drafted a quarterback that thought he was the wrong guy at the time. So when everybody says, well, draft the right guy, shut the fuck up. You well, know, no. I mean, come on. Hold on. Because, because it's like, oh, what is the guy wearing a, a shirt saying I'm the right guy? I, well, I mean, it's stupid. You, of course, evaluation matters. So figure it out. And and figure it out. You get paid millions, but there can be more than one guy, though, guys. Oh, it yeah, I agree with that. But all there, right, there right. can also be the wrong guy. There can be the wrong guy. Yeah, but no, Jay so don't draft the wrong fucking guy. You know, Jay Cutler, I mean, Jay Cutler was the wrong guy, right? Why? Not because of his physical tools, but because of the, the dude he was in the locker room and his inability to connect with teammates. Caleb Williams could be the wrong guy for someone. Okay, and, sure, they could be the wrong guy, but did Mike Shanahan think Cutler was the wrong guy no. when he drafted him? No, he didn't, but he was <sighs> the wrong guy. That's what I'm saying. No, he was. It's 30, <laughs> guys, it's 30. <laughs> Don't do that. You're, that is funny. Inside I, joke. Inside is, joke. Yeah, but it also goofs on me too. So it's a double joke. It's funny. It's really funny. <laughs> double jokes are always really funny. Um, all right. Now you lost my train of thought because you're too funny. Good. But uh, but anyways, we'll we'll dig into all this shit. Well, it, it'll it, you got me cursing like a sailor here. Too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm trying looking. to do. Get me all emotional, man. But you know how to trigger me. You know how to trigger me. Oh, by the way, great special teams by Michigan yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Way, how bad was that? Way to handle that situation. God forbid you just let the ball drop and just walk off the field. Yeah. All right. Deep breaths. Here we go. Um, they're about The Broncos are about to do dumb things. They're about to play players that shouldn't be playing. It's a meaningless preseason game held in the postseason, but Sean Payton's ego is going to necessitate them trying to win nine games. That'll mean jack shit to nobody, uh, to anybody rather. And um, and there we go. Uh, other thought. I'll just wrap it up, guys. Uh, Nate, I'll, I'll give you the last word because we miss you, Nate. We miss you. you. You got me flummoxed there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love I love cheeseburgers. I love cheddar. Um, I love um, I love American, but I really love jack shit on uh on my burger and it's really good to be back with you guys man i love killing you with truth uh, all right we'll, we'll see you happy guys. holidays we'll see you guys later 2024 yeah. we're off to a roaring start happy new year <laughs> <laughs>